Yeah, hold that, please. Level five, thank you. Ah, you must be one of our new interns. Yeah, hi. Nice to meet you. Hi. Now, the most important thing to know is to attend the Biparsal Rise plug sale. The most important thing is what? Sorry. The single most important thing is to attend the Channelized Bing Bingus at the Biparsal Rise plug sale, and you'll be fine. Uh, yeah, that sounds important. Does work chat all sound like gibberish to you? Find collaborative articles with tips from the LinkedIn community to help you get through those tricky conversations. Making work make sense? LinkedIn knows how. The Premier League All Access podcast is proud to be brought to you by Ladbrokes. Stay ahead of all the big games in the best league in the world, the Premier League. With the latest odds, form guides, expert opinions and more, the fans are the players at Ladbrokes. Are you in? Let's go. Play at ladbrokes.com. 18 plus begambleaware.org T's and C's apply This is a game day podcast from TalkSport Hello football folk it's the game day preview Premier League podcast from TalkSport the ultimate preview to every game this weekend with me Sam Matterface the Mirrors Darren Lewis and TalkSport transfer guru Alex Crook Cup chaos, goals everywhere. Chelsea show no mercy, mercy, mercy as their Kai guy gets three against Barnsley. Arsenal helped out by a charitable Christian and Pickford. Pressure continues after a Fleetwood faff. What does David Moyes' positive COVID-19 test mean for the weekend fixtures? And how can the EFL legitimately continue with their league and cup competitions unless they test on a regular basis. There's the first instalment of Brighton against Manchester United. Can the Seagulls swoop and steal the spotlight from Solskjaer in Sussex? Or after Greenwood provides the tinder for a fiery end to the midweek cup tie, will United have more grammable moments to like, repost and comment upon? Also this week, West Brom face a retooled Chelsea. There's a derby that looks anything but a Yorkshire pudding. And we delve into the TalkSport transfer files and open up Crookie's contact book as Wolves go full Nelson. All on the podcast that, like Luis Suarez, needs a little bit of help with our Italian. The Game Day Premier League preview pod from TalkSport. Ah, arrivederci. Oh, actually, that might not be right. That's by, isn't it? Uh, anyway, uh, anyone got the number of the Juve switchboard? Uh, dashing Darren Lewis and charismatic crooker with me. Uh, how are we? Very well, very well indeed. Um, You're and looking particularly well. I think it should be pointed out to the listener that you are fully suited and booted and looking <whistles> moisturised and everything. <laughs> it's the moisturised bit that I'm worried about, so. <laughs> um, but uh, no, I, I, I have a few meetings this morning, so I decided that um, I would uh, improve my standards for the game day pod, and maybe that might be a feature going forward. Yeah, is, is that real me- meetings or Zoom meetings? Because if I ask you to stand up, are you still wearing your pajamas? <laughs> <laughs> Oh, 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 no, full trousers. Thank God for that. Uh, Alex Crook, not looking as dapper, but certainly uh, no less influential. How are we? I'm good. I'm still chuckling to myself about how excited you got about Chelsea's demolition of Barnsley and Kai Havertz to the extent that I had to text you and say, sorry, are you playing Barnsley or Bayern Munich? Let's move on. Um, Can we uh, talk about our highlights for the week, our four-word highlights of the week? Darren, what have you got for me? Crook puts off Townsend. Oh, yes, that was very good. That was uh, Andros Townsend uh, taking a penalty in a shootout a week and a bit ago in the Carabao Cup and saying that all he could hear as he was walking up to the spot was, was Alex Crook saying, and here's talk sports, Andros Townsend. And uh, he said it actually increased the pressure on him, Crook. 
Yeah, well, you know, I, I demand high standards. Luckily for him, he scored, so he, he did the job. <laughs> it was the crook what won it. Uh, Alex what you got for me Solskjaer not good enough would be my four word assessment of last weekend here we go again change the record Uh, for me not not preaching what not preaching what I'm about to uh, to say preaching what I teach Chelsea sign a goalkeeper Yes. Thank God for that. Uh, yes. Darren, the big story this week, though, was uh, about David Moyes testing positive for COVID-19 and two of the players at West Ham also doing that. And uh, you finding out in the middle of the actual match, which they <laughs> had to leave because they had tested positive. We won't labour on the event itself, but look at more at the implications going forward because it was two days ago now, three days ago now. Um, but a quick word on, on Hull City, first of all. What was their reasoning for not taking up the West Ham offer of being tested and paying to, uh, for West Ham to pay for COVID-19 screening ahead of that game? Well, to, to paraphrase the whole manager, Grant McCann, we didn't want to create a problem. We didn't want to create an issue. Now, I'm sorry, but for my money, that's not good enough at all. So what and he's saying is, is we didn't <coughs> want to return any positive tests so that we couldn't play players in a football match. I'm clearly going to tread very carefully because these are matters that, you know, one word out of place and everyone goes running off to my learned friends waving bits of paper. So I have to be careful about how I interpret what he said or portray what he said. But certainly listening to what he said. I just give you a little bit. Normally when a local journalist interviews the manager of a football club, they tend to, you know, there's a bit of a relationship, a working relationship between them. So they tend to go quite easy. The local guy... The whole local guy, he, he did a tremendous job interviewing Grant McCann forensically and asking difficult questions and putting all that professional relationship to one side because these are serious matters that affect us all, not just the players, all of us who go into football stadia, who do this job. And so he was saying, you know, do you not get that this situation is bigger than the match itself? And I have to say, and I'm allowed to say, it's my opinion, for my money, Grant McCann did not, treat the issue with the seriousness for me that it warranted and he talked about the players being back in for training on Thursday for the game against Northampton on Saturday that shouldn't be their priority because what we see at the moment if you look at Leighton Orient with all of those tests positive tests and the fact that they paid three teams in the preceding seven days we've got a time bomb at the back in the lower leagues and they don't have mandatory testing so we don't know who is going round to what club infecting whose players who in turn are going home and infecting god knows who else and yes they might well be asymptomatic but what about the person who does contract the virus for whom the implications are more serious mm. more deadly so we got a big big problem in the lower leagues and we're sleepwalking into it i it's only my opinion but i i wonder whether money has a little bit to do with it. Yeah, but but that can't have anything to do with it because surely the EFL can't fall under the auspices of elite sport if it doesn't have a testing protocol, especially if the EFL Cubs are mixing with the apparently biosecure Premier League clubs who are rigorously testing on a weekly basis. It makes a mockery of the high standards of prevention that the Premier League have guaranteed when it was given permission to return to sport. If you want to be a special case, you have to act like a special case, right, Crook? I 100% agree with with both of you, and and it does worry me um, whether the EFL actually can continue um, without the sort of rigorous testing that Premier League players are subject to. Also, 
the EFL have got it all wrong in terms of Leighton Orient. Basically, Leighton Orient have been punished for accepting the offer of a test. They've been thrown out of the competition. They effectively weren't allowed to play their game. They didn't have enough players to play their game. Meanwhile, Hull City turned down the offer of a test paid for by their Premier League opponents and they're allowed to stay in the competition and play their match. How can that be right? Listen, I totally agree. And David Sullivan um, the other day was talking about the fact, and to paraphrase him, Premier League clubs are exposing who, who play against teams that don't have the test are exposing themselves to the potential of contracting the virus. And how can that be fair to them? I think the whole thing is a mess. Uh, To go back to Tuesday night, the EFL didn't confirm to us what the situation was until midway through the game. That's a joke because, you know, all of the staff, not just the players, the stadium staff, you're all going into a a stadium that's not biosecure. And all of this guff about the stadium's around the country are safer than your living room it's just fake news it's it's well it, they're not safe know living about room. if you if you if you put a bit of tape on a seat to my right hand side and say that the person who's working with me can't sit within six feet of me which is fair enough because of social distancing and then you go down and do a media scrum on a touchline for example at club will remain nameless and everybody is pulled into sort of like the centre of gravity to speak to a manager and there's about as much social distancing going on there as there is at a corner. I mean, exactly. it makes absolutely no sense whatsoever. And unless you... Look, we're all guilty of it. Let's not pretend that we haven't broken a rule over the course of this period. We all have done it. I was doing... Mm. I did a, a video the other day with uh, Andy Cole and, and, and Perry Groves where I had a microphone and I couldn't reach too far to poke the microphone so they were closer to me than two metres. They were. And mm. I, I didn't think clearly enough about that before I posted that video when I posted the video I realised oh my god we're so close to each other we cannot be that close to we obviously don't sit like that because we sit in a studio mm-hmm. which is massive and we're miles apart but when we did the video we were too close I had to put, pull it down because it was not the right thing to do ultimately everybody is going to make mistakes over the period but turning down testing not testing at footballers before they go and play other footballers who are supposed to be in some sort of secure uh, bubble Seems a very odd thing to do, and I don't. I actually, if I was, if I was West Ham United, and I know that David Moyes is the one who's picked up as positive, but they're playing against a team who haven't been tested. If I was West Ham United, I wouldn't have played the game. Oh, I wouldn't have played the game. I'd have said, if you're not going to get tested, we're not going to expose ourselves to you, given what's gone on with the situation at Leighton Orient. And you know, my question to both of you as well is this: if the Premier League was suspended after. Mikel Arteta tested positive with a couple of players, uh, a couple of other players. Why is the EFL? You've got Neil Warnock testing positive. You've got the Leighton Orient players testing positive. You don't know what the situation is with the teams that Leighton Orient played last week. I would not be surprised if Wolves had reservations about playing against West Ham on Sunday in the Premier League. This is big for football. And I, I think the reason why there isn't more of a focus on it is because football already has grave financial issues that it's dealing with, and this could be a nail in the coffin. But that's not at. the point. That, you know, it Absolutely. Is, it Absolutely. is terrible that there are going to be clubs that probably disappear. But I tell you what, they'll disappear a hell of a lot quicker if you can't play any football because you haven't tested your players and half of them are, are, are self-isolating because they've picked up this deadly virus. And let's not pretend that it is just a cold. It isn't. Mm. You know, it kills people. We don't know the implications of it. So therefore, you know, you have to protect yourself 
and the people that are in your environment. And you can't keep going around saying, we need government funding. We need government help to keep our footballing alive. But actually, we're not taking precautions to protect our participants Absolutely. in elite sport. It's not. It doesn't look right for a start, but also morally, it's not the right thing to do, Crook. Do the PFA have a role to play yes. here in, yes. in, in terms of the As fact well. that EFL clubs clearly don't have the surplus finances to fund these tests, which I think the PFA, cost the FA, 200 the pound ago. The Premier League, everybody has to come together. They have to fund a testing, uh, a testing pot. If you want to play uh, football in this country at an elite level, then you have to be tested. If you don't, if you if you're not tested, you can't play. It is that simple. Agreed. And obviously, a lot's been made of of, of the wages that uh, a certain. PFA executive has paid himself over the last few years, so there must be money in the pot there to help protect their members by paying for them to be tested on a regular basis. Okay, let's get to the football itself. And it's a brilliant goal by Ali Razor, Johan Bash. It's Brighton who make the perfect start. We know in this league that it's, it's difficult. We'll be humble enough about that and get back to work and do our best. And it's a debut Donny goal that drags Manchester United back into the encounter. It's a hard uh, hard start, but then uh, we just need to uh, hurry up quickly because uh, uh, we've got to be better than what we were last week. Our big lunchtime fixture on Talk Sports Game Day this Saturday is Brighton against Manchester United. Uh, Manchester United a little bit more zippy in midweek as goals from Mason Greenwood and Marcus Rashford sealed the deal at Luton. Uh, they take on Brighton, who impressed in their, their games against Chelsea and Newcastle, I think, early in this season. Brighton are a different prospect to Palace, Alex Crook. But they gave up 14 shots, Manchester United, against a counter-attacking team last Saturday. You have a foot in both camps. How will this one play out? Well, I think Brighton will be licking their lips at that prospect when you talk about the, the chances United give up on the counter because Graham Potter has got an exciting side there, um, full of attacking zest. Tarek Lamptey has been one of the stars of the season so far. I think he will fancy his chances up against Luke Shaw down that Brighton right-hand side. And I mean, you said United had more zip in midweek. Did they really? I thought, again, it was a pretty drab performance from the B team. Hopefully... Ole Gunnar Solskjaer will pick the correct side this time and that will be Aaron Wan-Bissaka at right back. Mason Greenwood ahead of Dan James whose confidence is absolutely shot away but I think Brighton will fancy their chances of, of making a statement. They made a statement with their performance against Chelsea. They were very good that night and they backed it up with an emphatic win at Newcastle. I was at the game on Wednesday night and actually I thought and I was at the game on Saturday night and the comparison between the two performances is they played the ball a lot quicker. They moved it around a lot quicker and I think the key to that was Donny van der Beek in midfield and one matter, the combinations on the edge of the penalty area. Jesse Lingard, actually, you know, for all of his problems that he's had, he, he took the, the, the game to Luton. Look, he might be limited in terms of his quality, but actually his energy was there. And they need that energy. You talk about the fact that they didn't pick Karen Wan-Bissaka and Mason Greenwood over the weekend. The reason for that was for quarantine rules. They'd had a, an issue where uh, uh, Wan-Bissaka had come back from Dubai, I think. Uh, Greenwood obviously had got himself in trouble in Iceland. As a result of that, they had to train on their own for ages and weren't up mm. to speed with the rest of the team. So that's why they weren't picked on Saturday. Um, it affected I, Phil Foden as well, didn't it, on, on Monday night? He looked, he looked really short of match sharpness. Well, different strokes with different folks, but uh, ultimately that was the, the choice that they made and that was why they weren't included in the starting I I, I, I put Phil Foden in my fantasy league team. I went to make a cup of tea. I came back, where's Phil Foden gone? <laughs> Um, <laughs> no, but I'm not. I'm not buying the the lack of fitness, the lack of training excuse. Because Manchester City finished their season equally late. They had the same issues with Foden that United had with Greenwood, and for at least 
50 minutes on Monday night. They looked a lot sharper and they were always going to because they're properly drilled and they're properly coached by a genuinely world-class manager. Brighton will pose very different tests. Lamptey's Crook was saying will pose a very big problem for whoever plays at right back. Uh, it's been said by esteemed Paul Hayward, which I totally agree with. I can't remember the last time I saw a player put a, a zero next to his value as quickly as Lamptey because he is he is a player who has shown that he has real ability. He's a joy to watch going forward. He isn't just quick with a trick, but his his delivery into the box is outstanding and. I think they've got players in Neil Morpé, um, Ali Reza, Jahan Bakshu, I watched playing for Iran at the World Cup in Russia and was really impressed by um, Trossard, who can score goals as well. They've got players who can cause a problem for an unconvincing United side. I think United right now, yeah, okay, they had that good run back end of last season, but they are still a side that you cannot trust. And even though they won well at Luton, you put your house on them at your peril. Yeah, hold that, please. Level five, thank you. Ah, you must be one of our new interns. Yeah, hi. Nice to meet you. Hi. Now, the most important thing to know is to Ertz and the Bypassal Rise plug sale. The most important thing is what? Sorry. The single most important thing is to Ertz and the Channelized Bimbingus of the Bypassal Rise plug sale, and you'll be fine. Uh, yeah, that sounds important. Does work chat all sound like gibberish to you? Find collaborative articles with tips from the LinkedIn community to help you get through those tricky conversations. Making work make sense? LinkedIn knows how. When you're ready to pop the question, the last thing you want to do is second-guess the ring. At BlueNile.com, you can design a one-of-a-kind ring with the ease and convenience of shopping online. Choose your diamond and setting. When you find the one, you'll get it delivered right to your door. Go to BlueNile.com and use promo code LISTEN to get $50 off your purchase of $500 or more. That's code LISTEN at BlueNile.com for $50 off your purchase. BlueNile.com, code LISTEN. The Premier League All Access podcast is proud to be brought to you by Ladbrokes. There's a lot more to those 90 minutes than what goes down on the pitch. With the latest odds, form guides and expert opinions, you'll know the score with Ladbrokes. Odds update on Talk Sport with Ladbrokes. Are you in? Let's go. Play at labrooks.com, 18 plus, be gambleaware.org, T's and C's apply. It's West Brom's first goal back in the Premier League, and it's an absolute cracker from Grady Diangana. The Premier League is a very tough league, is uh, on another level from the Championship. What a goal, and what a moment for Mason Mount! Chelsea. We will get better. We will train more together. The new players who are injured, we've got quite a few injuries, will come back and you'll see a lot yes, of things. Playing the ball along to depth for Abraham. Abraham sets Havertz away. Havertz goes around the goalkeeper will sweep it home for his hat-trick. Chelsea 5, Barnsley nil. Kai Havertz gets a hat-trick for Chelsea in the Carabao Cup. Live on TalkSport at 5.30 on Saturday is West Bromwich Albion against Chelsea. West Brom went out of the cup on a penalty shootout to Brentford in midweek and were cut to shreds in their two Premier League games with Leicester and Everton. Far from boing-boinging, uh, Bilic is brooding and he won't be in the dugout for this one. Now they face a retooled Chelsea with a new goalie, Chilwell and Silva raring to go. Darren, how will this one go? They look good. West Brom look as though they are losing a little bit of confidence on the 
basis of their their start to the season and again you can't really set too much store by the goal fest in the EFL Cup it'll be a very very different Bilic will set up his side to frustrate and uh, they'll yeah okay rather than having keys to the door Chelsea look like they've got credit cards don't they that they can slip in between but I think as far as Chelsea are concerned in that final third I think they've got some answers to the questions yeah, look, I, I, do you know what? One of the great things about uh, watching on Wednesday night was is you could now pick the game that you want to watch, can't you? If you if you go on the Carabao Cup website, you can just pick your game and pay for your your team, which is, uh, I know, something that they're doing with the iFollow thing in the EFL as well. Sam, can I ask you this? Are you Do you think fans will become so used to watching games, particularly over the winter yeah. on TV, yes. that it'll be hard to tempt them back no. eventually? No, no, no. There, there will always be fans that want to go to an actual football match because it's not about it's only 60% about the match isn't it it's 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 a lot more about the experience around the match um, going meeting up with your mates being part of a communal support where you exchange ideas and banter and frustrations all together and you celebrate and moan on your way out afterwards uh, in a community so I, I don't think you'll I, I hope that you'll never get to the situation where people get used to the watching it on a screen so therefore don't go to a game um, but in terms of watching that game one of the things that noticed I noticed was is the combination between not Timo Werner and Kai Havertz but Kai Havertz and Tammy Abraham who seemed to have an almost telepathic understanding where each other were, little flicks, which brought the other one into play. And it was Barnsley. Chelsea did score six goals. Barnsley haven't got a, had a brilliant start to the season anyway. But I think they needed that confidence boost after what was quite a chasing afternoon on Sunday. And maybe for Kai Havertz, it's the perfect way to settle in, Alex. Yeah, I'm glad you tempered your enthusiasm there by pointing out the... Uh the poorness of the opposition because for a minute I was worried for West Brom they'd be up against the Chelsea side who just won the Champions League the World Cup the Kentucky Derby and the Grand National in one night well, so um, well, well I don't understand you, you can't you can't say that somebody played well because they were playing Barnsley well I got a bit excited when Alexis Sanchez made his Manchester United debut and fitted straight in against Yeovil Town and look how that turned out so <laughs> I, I, I think you do need to, to realise that they're up against. But it's a massive confidence boost, isn't it, for Kai Havertz? And it doesn't surprise me that Tammy Abraham has come out fighting. I'm sure he feels very sore, Darren, having been one of the players who played an integral part in getting Chelsea to the Champions League against the odds last season that he's now no longer deemed as a first-team regular by Frank Lampard. So competition for places is good because it does make other players raise their game. And I'm sure Frank Lampard is absolutely delighted by that. After the Lille game last year in the Champions League where the talk was that he was going to buy players in the January transfer window, I remember asking Lampard, if you buy experienced players, what happens to your players that have got you this far? Abraham had had a great first half of the season. Mount was doing really well. Um, James had come into the side um, and, and he was getting all the praise for blooding the young players. But he said, this is Chelsea. And we have to expect a high level of competition for a first team place. And the players that succeed here will have been able to rise to the challenge and the players that leave won't have been able to do that. So we're seeing now Abraham scoring goals again and basically saying, if you want my shirt, you're going to have to fight me for it. That's great for Chelsea. 
Um, only Manchester City scored more goals than Chelsea on their travels last season. And with Havertz, Werner, Ziyech coming back, Pulisic Instagramming that it's nearly time. I suppose we expect them to click into gear. But Grady Diangana was a thought in Everton's side last Saturday. And Matthias Pereira capable of something special. And they're an attack-minded team, not a team that sit behind the ball. Um, however, they have lost two out of two, West Bromwich Albion. Crook, you said on the preview podcast, there won't be two teams as bad as Bournemouth and Norwich. Uh, is it too early to suggest that West Brom and Fulham might prove you wrong? Uh, yeah, I think it is too early. You know, you, it's difficult to make those judgments after two matches, although I'm going to uh, completely go against what I'm saying there because I do think Fulham and West Bromwich Albion already look like they're going to fill two of the three relegation places and everybody else is playing for one other. You mentioned West Brom's attacking... <laughs> so you've just said ta- yes to the question. <laughs> <laughs> but you mentioned West Brom's attacking talents there and they've got some great players going forward, but defensively they're a team who are always going to give you chances. They're always going to concede goals. They lack squad depth and I think that's because finances there are very tight and indeed if they didn't get promoted to the Premier League may well have had big financial problems so I feel a bit sorry for Slav and Bilic but ultimately I, I just don't think they're quite good enough to compete on a regular basis in the Premier League I wonder if Branislav Ivanovic will play and come back to haunt Chelsea he's older than Darren <laughs> United. We're not a top team, we're, we're a team finding its way in the division and at the moment we're going through a little bit of a sticky patch in terms of results, two results have gone against us. A right-footed shot, a volley into the far corner and they've equalised again. This Leeds United team do not know how to lay down. Obviously every two points going to be kind of important in this league and this is our first one so I hope we can build on that. Blows the whistle now, here comes Mateus Klink, right-footed, just rolls it nonchalantly down the middle of the goal, as calm as you like. It will be the first time that Leeds United have played a Yorkshire derby in the Premier League for 19 years when they take on Sheffield United live on TalkSport this Sunday at midday. Sheffield United ended uh, last season on a bit of a downer with only three wins in their final 10 games. They haven't exactly set the world on fire so far this season, Crook. But again, is it too soon to judge from just two Premier League games in a Carabao Cup outing or two? Well, I don't want to be... And I told you so, but I did um, when we started doing this podcast after lockdown that Sheffield United's bubble had burst and that they could well find themselves in trouble this season. The second season syndrome, there are are countless examples. Ipswich Town under our friend Matt Holland qualified for Europe in their first uh, season back in the Premier League, were relegated to the next. Reading almost qualified for Europe under Steve Copper one season, were relegated to the next. It, It happens time and time again. I've not been particularly impressed with their recruitment this summer. I think they've signed championship level players. And I don't think it's too early to worry about Sheffield United because you can't see where the goals are coming from. They've started to concede and make mistakes defensively, which they didn't do last season. I think it's going to be a long, hard slog for them, Darren. Yeah, I'd agree. Uh, Although having said that, Chris Wilder is going to get tough with his players. Poor defensively in the first couple of games. He really laid into them after the Aston Villa game. Um, And I think as far as the first two games are concerned, they can draw a line under them. I think they'll be harder to beat in the next couple of games. I don't think they're going to be a group of players that suffer from second season syndrome because there's enough time in a transfer window for Chris Wilder to do something about any complacency within his ranks. I do know he's trying very hard 
to bring in a striker. There's a big bun fight for Rian Brewster at Liverpool. Mm. Uh, and if they don't get him, they'll go for someone else. But they do need goals. And maybe if they can do that, they can fight fire with fire. Leeds United were pretty good on the road last season. 43 points away from home in the Championship. And they will score goals. I think you will see their defence improve as the season goes on. It was the best defence in the Championship uh, last season. They have conceded seven in their first two games. But they've also picked up three points. Um, but I'm really interested in what happens on the touchline. Bielsa against Wilder. It is a contrast of characters, isn't it? It's the oddest matchup since Natalie Portman dated Moby. <laughs> where where did you pluck out that reference from? I will, do, I will just say one thing. Um, there's a great stat about Leeds, which is that they have now, last week was 52 games where they've won when they've scored the first goal. Yes. Which is a fantastic stat in, and a kind of testament to the firepower that they've got in a team. I'm really, really pleased for Patrick Bamford. I keep saying it because I love it when an underdog basically sticks one in the eye of the people that have been having a pop and lots of people have been doubting his ability to score Premier League goals and I think that's now two in two. Right, let's look at the transfer tittle-tattle. Wolverhampton Wanderers haven't been shy with their checkbook. They signed Nelson Semedo from Barcelona um, and part of the Jota deal or separate to it, but certainly in, involving a negotiation with Liverpool. They bought in Kijana Hoover as well, who knows that he's going to be back up to Semedo, but he's hoping to learn from him. Um, let's talk a little bit about Tottenham, who are after a defender as well from Inter Milan. Yeah, we've all been there, haven't we? When maybe we're on a night out and we come back and we find an extra £20 that we didn't know we had in our wallet. I think Daniel <laughs> Levy has done that with, uh, you know, a few hundred million. I don't know where their money's coming from all you of a sudden. You have, because you're really tight. <laughs> the rest of us haven't. But obviously they brought back Gareth Bell and then they're very much in the market now for a defender. His name is Milan Skriniar, as you say, plays for Inter Milan. Um, 60 million euros is the price tag, um, Darren Lewis. And, and you're pretty confident that Daniel Levy is going to fund this deal. The, the key thing with this deal is that the player wants to go to Spurs. And so there is a deal to be done. And uh, Steve Hitchin and Daniel Levy are working on this deal. This has been the position I've been most focused on, really. Yeah, all the triumphalism about Bell, but Spurs were disappointingly abject defensively last season and a world away from the couple of seasons when they're the best defence and the joint best defence in the Premier League under Pochettino. So if they were to get Skriniar, given that they've got Rayon and they've got Alderweireld and um, at right back they have Doherty who's been tremendously consistent for Wolves suddenly you can see a back five worthy of the name and then you'd start to think about Tottenham being contenders maybe for a top four place uh, Chris Smalling closing in on a move to Roma we're expecting that to happen uh, I know that he wants to go uh, back to Italy Arsenal step up their interest in Hossam Awa. Oh, wow. Yeah, I think he's he's the one that Mikel Arteta really wants. Again, I think the Arsenal owners are going to have to dig deep into their pockets. Will it go to the last one. hour of the it, transfer window? <laughs> <laughs> Do you know what? I think it might. And also it might be um, based on the ability to get players off the wage. But obviously we know there's certain players in that midfield that are surplus to requirements. He's made that very clear. Um, if they can find someone to take the likes of Torreira, Genduzzi, maybe even Mesut Ozil, then again, I think this is a deal that could well happen, but I do expect it to go late into the window. There's a lot of work going on behind the scenes to to try and agree a price tag, but my understanding is that Hour is now their top target ahead of Thomas Partey of Atletico Madrid, who's also been mentioned. 
Two other quick transfer stories, which I don't think will uh, please fans of either Chelsea or Manchester United. Um, the first one, Bayern Munich in for Callum Hudson-Odoi. I have a text message here, and I won't reveal who it's from, but I'll say it says, no Cho to Bayern, comma, not happening. Well, okay. I know there's interest from Bayern Munich. It was before um, before he signed his new contract at Stamford Bridge. I also know there's a bit of frustration from Callum Hudson-Odoi and his representatives that he seems to be the victim of this overhaul, the the, the revolution of Frank Lampard. Because- he hasn't done enough on the pitch, unfortunately. So it's all right turning around and saying that uh, he um, is disappointed because they've brought in world-class or top-class performers, but actually he hasn't done enough on the pitch yet. But he needs to play, doesn't he? Um, and but it would worry me play, if I was cut. If I was Callum Hudson Adoy, it would worry me uh, that Ziyech and Pulisic have both started the season injured, yeah. and he still can't really get on the pitch. Well, he's not. He's, he's not killing Mbappe. Josh King waiting on uh, Manchester United. Yeah, he's made it pretty clear all the way along that Manchester United is his preferred destination. The longer it drags on without um, any movement, I think he he will be in the Bournemouth squad to take on Manchester City in the Carabao Cup on Thursday night. The more I have a nagging suspicion, it's one shared by a couple of people at Bournemouth, that he will end up at Manchester United. They made a bid in January on deadline day. It was rejected. They didn't come in with a second one. We know that they're not going to get Jadon Sancho now. They're not going to get Usman Dembele because Ebuba wants a 100 million euro player on loan um, without any commitment to buy. It's scraping the barrel time again. And I can just see this happening on deadline day. They run out of options. Darren Lewis and, and Joshua King suddenly becomes the most attractive proposition. Not not for the fans, I don't think, but certainly for Ed Woodward. Listen, if they ended up with Josh King, it wouldn't be the worst thing in the world. From a PR perspective, it might be. Um, because obviously they've been linked with so many celebrated names. I still do think that they're going to blink first as far as Sancho is concerned and desperately offer Dortmund the money to do a deal for Sancho. I just think that if they did end up with Sancho by the end of the window and he was the only person they ended up with, I don't think that I would have any confidence in him breaking into the top four or even progressing in the Champions League because defensively they are not good enough. And I still do think either Manchester club will do a deal for Koulibaly and take him from Napoli and that would improve either, whichever club he goes to, he will improve them. It's time for Roulette Rivalry. Let's speak to producer Lucy, who is going to dish out three games to each of us and test our expertise as we preview them in 45 seconds with no notes. Lucy. Hello, you're all right. Good, thank you. And uh, have you uh, have, have you been exercising this morning? Yeah, you're only asking that because you already know what happened. <laughs> I went for a lovely run this morning trying to be healthy and I ended up stacking it on South Bank. Oh, Scuffing my new running leggings and having some cockney geese go, you're right. Oh, and were you all right? Do you know what? I have actually got a grazed knee. Oh, no. You didn't end up chewing the pavement, though. Do you know what? My hands saved me, but I was very close to full on face planting. Oh, well, I'm delighted. I'd love to have seen that. Delighted that, that uh, no one captured that on uh, Snapchat. Right, okay, uh, what have you got for us? Right, okay, let's start with Alex Crook. Ooh. Why are you giving yourself a fist bump? 
You haven't won just because she selected just, you first. I'm just getting motivated, getting in the zone, you know? Okay, well, that'd be good. I haven't even looked at these games, by the way, so there's no question oh, of me go. cheating. Here comes oh. the excuses. Preparation. Take you have Burnley v Southampton. Uh, <laughs> God, it's like the gimme. <laughs> and your time starts now. Well, let's focus on Southampton. Every season, their fans go into it with optimism and every season that gets punctured within the first couple of matches. They've been absolutely dreadful so far. Actually, bar the first half an hour against Spurs on Sunday when they were more than competitive. But this high line that Ralph Hasenhut has adopted this season and insisted on playing against Spurs, even though they were broken down time and time again, is becoming a real problem. I think he's exposed Alex McCarthy, the goalkeeper. He wants to be a sweeper-keeper, but he's not good enough with the ball at his feet, nor is Fraser Forster his number two. Actually, Angus Gunn is probably the most adroit at playing that, but he let in nine goals against Leicester the last time he played in the Premier League. He won't get near the team. And his dad doesn't like you. <laughs> they need some bodies in the building. They need some squad oh. depth. Ralph, Ralph is very frustrated at the moment. It's looking like a long season for them Stop. again. She said it about ten seconds ago. Are you even listening? Again, I couldn't hear it, Lucy. You need to speak up. No, everybody else heard it. It was just God. you. I think you need to go and test your hearing. That's I also I'm... managed not to mention Burnley once in that section. Yeah, Are you impressed? Mm. Not really. You no, know, the last time he went on a run that bad. Oh, sorry, the last time they got humped that bad, they went on a run so good he earned a new contract. <laughs> what you're saying is all part of the master plan <laughs> <sighs> right what's English next English master plan Darren it's your turn mm-hmm. and I'm going to give you Crystal Palace v Everton mm. go on the face of it you would suggest Everton would have too many guns for Crystal Palace but they're in fantastic form particularly given that Palace I'm talking about here um, particularly given that they are, have been without a number of their defenders their key defenders over the past couple of games so it's, this is a hard one to call I think it might well be a draw Zaha stepping up to the plate some would say he's playing for a move if that's the case it's good on him uh, because he's delivered in the last couple of games Townsend with a, an assist and a goal as well as a getting his confidence too but obviously they are up against a fantastic midfielder I heard Sam Matterface and uh, Steve McLaren talk about the wonderful screen of uh, Palace's last weekend in their win over Man United so it's going to be the irresistible force in Everton against the immovable objects of Palace in the middle of the park again the word stop doesn't apply to him apparently as well unbelievable Uh, yeah, that McCarthy and MacArthur screen in front of the back four, which did very, very uh, well at Old Trafford. Also, I, I thought the two wingers, Townsend and Schlupp, coming back to act as double fullbacks, uh, protected <laughs> the, uh, the back line. Uh, as, <laughs> as Matt Holland said on Monday's podcast, I wouldn't want a season ticket, but I'm impressed with the results that they get. <laughs> Loose, finally. You have... Spurs v Newcastle, Sam. Any time starts now. Okay, uh, Tottenham Hotspur won't have Gareth Bale available for this one because he's still ambling along with an injury. <laughs> Didn't see that one coming. Um, but uh, if they play like they did in the second half against uh, Saints, then they'll rip Newcastle to shreds Tottenham because they were absolutely breathtaking on the counter-attack, little balls over the top um, to expose that Southampton high line. But Newcastle surely won't defend so high against a Tottenham team that um, win loads of games at home. I think they won 12 games at home last season at the new Tottenham Hotspur Stadium. Um, Newcastle weren't very good on the road last campaign, but they started quite well down at West Ham United and suffered against Brighton at home. So it could be that they could back up 
last season's win at the stadium. Oh, a word stop doesn't apply to you either, <laughs> is it, son? <laughs> I've started till I'll finish. Uh, right, okay, let's move on. Manchester City against Leicester and West Ham Wolves take place on Sunday. This is game day. This is talk sport. And it's a brilliant goal by Ali Razor, Johan Bash. It's Brighton who make the perfect start. And it's a debut Donny goal that drags Manchester United back into the encounter. It's West Brom's first goal back in the Premier League. And it's an absolute cracker from Grady Diangana. What a goal! And what a moment for Mason Mount and for Chelsea! Fired in by Chris Wood and Burnley take the lead. It was an instant finish by Ings and Southampton lead. The Goldrick reacts and smashes the ball home and all three points are going to Sheffield United. A right-footed shot and volley into the far corner and they've equalised again. This Leeds United team do not know how to lay down. We're off and underway and it is only here on Talk Sport. Yes, Manchester City, Leicester at Sunday at 4.30, West Ham, Wolves, 7pm. I love these Sundays in the studio watching all the games with Andy Cole on TalkSport. Absolutely superb. Uh, Leicester can go on the front foot in an attacking sense against uh, Manchester City, but ultimately, defensively, they won't have enough to keep City out, will they, Crook? No, I think you summed it up quite nicely there. Although, um, Manchester City did struggle to see the game out against Wolves, and in the end, based on what we saw in the second half, the scoreline probably flattered them. Um, I'm sure Pep Guardiola will be hoping to get one or two of his injured players back. If they play like they did in the opening 45 minutes with De Bruyne and Sterling running the show, then I think Leicester will be in trouble. And it's going to be interesting to see how Brendan Rodgers prepares for this game. Does he send his team out to hit them on a counter-attack? Does he try and start on the front foot? Or does he just try and stay in it for as long as possible? It's, it's going to be really interesting. Uh, Leicester haven't tweaked too much in terms of personnel from last year, Darren. But in Harvey Barnes, they've seen someone who's come to the fore at the back end of last campaign and the beginning of this. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, but the only big, the only problem for Leicester is that while Barnes has improved and a couple of others as well, they haven't really freshened up enough up front. And although they do have the pace and the work rate of Jamie Vardy, they don't have too much in reserve. And so if Vardy doesn't score, are there enough goals in that Leicester team to see off somebody of the calibre of Manchester City? I do agree with what you've both been saying. City at the back are there to be got at until they solve their defensive problems. I think this might be a draw. Um, What do you think about the lack of Aguero and how much it's going to hurt Manchester City? Not necessarily in this game, because Jesus might fancy himself against a a, uh, a Leicester back line. He's got support from Sterling. But ultimately, going forward in the big matches without having someone of Aguero's stature, are they going to struggle a little bit when it comes to the the, the, the big matches? I wonder, and I'm going to kick myself for saying this, but I wonder if they're going to make a big move for a big striker before the end of the window. All I think is this. I think City have to look long-term, whether Aguero comes back fit or not. You know, he's not getting in the younger. Um, They need a striker that's going to be there for the next four or five years. Um, I mean, it'll be harder now, given the ambition that, Spurs are showing to get a cane out of Spurs. I, I don't think he would want to leave. I think he would want to play with Gareth Bale and Son, and yeah. you know, with the, the you know the defenders that are coming in and and the quality in that squad. Now, I think he would want to say at Spurs. Certainly, City do need to be looking at their striking options because 
as you say, Jesus might be all right for games like this, but in the big games where you need ice in your veins and the kind of calibre and quality that Aguero provides, Jesus is not for me. Um, West Ham Wolves is a Sunday night game, 7 o'clock start. We've done the politics and satisfied the news cycle. What about the game? I think Diop is a massive miss. And David Sullivan said so when he was on TalkSport this week, Crook. Yeah, because he played really well against Arsenal. West Ham played really well uh, against Arsenal and can count themselves unlucky. My concern is, are they capable of producing that performance week in, week out? Is they going to have to in these next batch of games? Because I think their next five matches are all against teams who finished in the top eight last season. Yeah. It needs discipline. It needs character. And the trouble is also, it needs the players in reserve, the likes of Sebastian Allaire, Yarmolenko and Lanzini, when they are called into action, when the first 11 are tiring to actually come on and, and be able to play in that disciplined way. They didn't really do it against Arsenal because if you watch the winning goal, it came from the left-hand side because Yarmolenko had switched off. That's a problem um, for David Moyes or indeed for whoever is in the dugout. I think David Moyes is going to be taking charge by telephone in this game. And I was impressed with Wolves in the second half against Manchester City. They were sluggish to get going in the first half. That was possibly partly because Manchester City really came flying out the traps. Um, I was really impressed with Daniel Pedence. I think he gives them a, a yeah. different option in terms of breaking the lines. Jimenez looks like he's going to score goals as he always does. They brought in Samedo. That's an excellent signing. I, I think Wolves, again, are managing to regenerate themselves despite the fact they've lost Doherty and Jota, two mainstays under Nuno Espirito Santo. And you have to doff your cap to them for that. Is it an excellent signing, that Samedo signing? Or is it? Or do we just get excited about it because they spent 25 25- 27 million going to 37 million depending on uh, add-ons um, and it's from Barcelona the, the, the truth is is that Barcelona wanted to get rid of him yeah but he, he's been there and got the t-shirt he's won two the league of titles he's won the Nations League with Portugal so he, he has the right pedigree clearly Wolves are not a club competing in the same sphere as Barcelona so just because you're not good enough for Barcelona doesn't mean you're not good enough for Wolverhampton Wanderers also they've just released a third kit which is basically the Portugal away strip so they, they may as well sign another <laughs> Portuguese player they may as well just send all the Wolves players to the European Championships as Portugal I like um, Jared Bowen playing for uh, West Ham United I really enjoyed watching him I thought it was brilliant when he was at Hull and the fact mm. that he, he's come I, I worried that he'd made the wrong move to the Premier League but maybe West Ham is the club that really suits him I know Crook caused a, a bit of a ruckus last week with his delusions of grandeur comment I just think the fans want them to look like West Ham having a go uh, mm. Darren do you buy into David Salomon's argument though and he mentioned this on TalkSport that the fans wanted a director of football and a world-renowned manager so we gave them that and it didn't work um, we gave in and, and gave them Pellegrini um, and now we've gone back to basics and, and looked for a, a, a more traditional solution where the manager David Boyce is the manager and he picks the players. He decides who they sign. He says, here are the targets, go and get them for me. Yes, absolutely, yes. Um, And the fans obviously aren't happy with the ownership and that's a separate issue. But the facts are that the ownership did back Pellegrini with a huge amount of money and Pellegrini let not just the ownership but the club down with poor players stuck by the goalkeeper for far too long. Um, didn't have the side defending set pieces properly Weren't wasn't even tr- focusing on I remember being in press conferences and we were saying look you cannot defend balls into the box what are you going to do about it and he didn't seem to see that there was a problem and did he was a wrong manager because he did that to me a couple of times no <laughs> it wouldn't have surprised us. he may as well have done because the answers he were, were given he was a wrong man because 
He just lacked the dynamism to manage a club like West Ham. Yeah. And that's what you need. Uh, there is an energy there. There is a passion at their club. And I hate normally that word passion because it kind of, what, what does that mean? But I think you need to see the issues and deal with them. And he could not do either. And I think as far as the transfer policy was concerned under him, it was shambolic. And now David Moyes is paying a price, but they need to stick with him because they look far better and far more promising with him in the team. Yeah, with, Dave, with him in, in a touch And you line. talk about understanding the sort of tactical nuances of the game. I mean, David Moyes is very much like a slightly different coach. And he's a bit more pragmatic than, than someone like Manuel Pellegrini, but he knows... Uh, I've, I've spoken to him about it. He gets into the situation where they're in games, they're doing okay. If he makes a change, and people are always sitting there saying, oh, it's 1-1 or whatever, bring on Yarmolenko, bring on uh, a number 10 or Anderson or someone to change the game or whatever. But he knows that if he does that, the likelihood is is that one of those players who he's got in reserve, one of these tricky wingers, is going to make the mistake that turns the game back the other way. And he's been concerned about that for a very, very long time. And it was illustrated on Saturday night where he brings on Yarmolenko. Yarmolenko, okay, does well going forward, but ultimately he makes the mistake which allows Arsenal back in front. And that is so frustrating because I know that that is something that has plagued him at the back of his mind for such a long time. Uh, It will be a good game though, West Ham against Wolves on Sunday. In fact, we've got some cracking games over the weekend. Uh, And then we'll be back on Monday. That's about it from us. Game day is back on Saturday. We've got those three live Premier League games on TalkSport and TalkSport 2. We will be back when you wake up on Monday morning to review all the action with Darren Bent and to look ahead to Monday's key clashes. Arsenal uh, take on Liverpool away from home and we'll get all the reaction to a fantastic weekend of football. Goodbye. The Premier League All Access podcast is proud to be brought to you by Ladbrokes. The latest odds, we set them. Form guides, we've got them. Expert opinions, we share them. The best fans in the world deserve the best. Be match day ready before the whistle blows with Labrooks. Odds update on Talk Sport with Labrooks. Are you in? Let's go. Play at labrooks.com, 18 plus, be gambleaware.org. T's and C's apply. Yeah, hold that, please. Level five, thank you. Ah, you must be one of our new interns. Yeah, hi, nice to meet you. Hi. Now, the most important thing to know is to Ertzen the Biparsal Rise plug sale. The most important thing is what? Sorry. The single most important thing is to Ertzen the Channelized Bimbingus at the Biparsal Rise plug sale, and you'll be fine. Uh, yeah, that sounds important. Does work chattel sound like gibberish to you? Find collaborative articles with tips from the LinkedIn community to help you get through those tricky conversations. Making work make sense? LinkedIn knows how.